When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, I'm Adam Levy, and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Today, we're looking at the infamous two-body problem. This six-episode series is breaking down each and every aspect of moving labs. Last week, we discussed some crucial things to watch out for when choosing a new location for your research career. And still to come in the series, we're looking at everything from changing disciplines when changing labs to adapting to a new lab in the age of COVID. But today, in this series' second episode, we're looking at what happens when you're juggling the personal and the professional. To be specific, we're looking at the challenges of moving labs and maintaining a relationship, the so-called two-body problem. This tongue-in-cheek name references a classic mechanics conundrum. Solving the two-body problem, the relationship version of it, not the mechanics version of it, is a real challenge. The difficulties facing a typical academic career, or indeed a typical romantic relationship, are multiplied when you have to move to a new city, perhaps to a different country, where both of you need to be earning a salary to survive. These challenges can be particularly severe right now, while many economies grapple with high inflation, raising the costs of food, fuel and transport. You may remember that last week I spoke with Joanne Cammons, who works at the Impact Seat based in Boston, Massachusetts. She's a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant, and so I was keen to ask her for her perspectives on the two-body problem. So I have to be honest about this. I think you want to choose an area where there are many career choices in science and not just one party in town, if you know what I mean. Um, then that will allow you, you know, both of the partners to uh, hopefully land somewhere that is enriching and, and, and satisfying to use their science in that career. I will say from an you know, inclusion of, of women perspective, you know, a huge percentage of the time in a couple where there is a woman and a man, it's the woman who takes the step back in her career. So it's really important with your partner that you articulate and commit together that both of your careers are important and that you will um, take turns in um, you know, who gets the advantage in this move, in this choice. 
Of course, every couple and every career is different, and what works in one context won't necessarily work in others. I wanted to speak to academics who have grappled with the two-body problem to see the solutions that they were able to come up with. First up are Danish couple Meta Bendixson and Lars Iverson. Meta is in the Geography Department at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, while Lars is in the Department of Biology at the same institution. And together they have a young son. But they didn't start their careers in Canada. So how did they get to know each other in the first place? Yeah, so Meta and I met each other through the university in Copenhagen. I think it was at the point where we were both bachelor students. I took courses at uh, geography and I met Meta through that. We just met each, each other at parties and at uh, student gatherings at the university and that, that's how we got to learn each other. And we then later became colleagues as well. No, I think it was like a classic in your early 20s um, kind of relationship and, and as many people, they meet each other through through their studies and this was also the case for us. And Meta, as both, I suppose, the relationship got more serious but then your academic career got more serious. How, how did things progress then? Yeah, so uh, we got our son during our PhDs and I was a PhD in Denmark takes three years and I was two years into my PhD when I got pregnant. And honestly, at that time, I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to continue in academia. I guess that changed after a big publication we had in 2017. I, I realized how fun it could be to to, to make those breakthroughs you can say and that was also what was our first collaboration so we've been collaborating for more than five years now i've always been very embedded in let's say the uh, the researcher's mindset and i was always thinking about going down the line of a researcher Lasse's very strong wishes to, to, to stay in academia was something that sort of infected me as well. I, I, I could see that inspiration in him. And I guess that's also been an important part of why I'm in academia today. Given that determination and the complexity of finding the right lab and finding the right place to do your studies and become a professor, was there tension here? Was it something you were at all nervous about balancing? There's certainly been some, I mean, bottlenecks and let's say milestones in, in our career where it have or where there has been some insecurity or something like that, whether or not we would both make it through. Um, I think that that's fair to say, yeah. I felt it the most when people have pointed it out that that's never going to work. You, you can never land two positions at the same university. But I sure have felt that doubt from, from colleagues further ahead in their careers stages. Well then Meta, can you explain how you, you have approached it as a family? How have you uh, tried to navigate this, this academic career with this, um, yeah, this personal life? I, we've been very upfront with the fact that we are a couple and that we have a child in a way that, for example, on your CV, this is common to do in Denmark, that you write who you're married to and whether you have kids and when they're born. In the Danish system, if you want to advance in academia after your PhD, you want to uh, ensure personal postdoc funding. So you want to show that you're good enough to, to get funding. 
And in that case, where Laz and I got our funding from uh, the Carlsberg Foundation, they actively support young researchers with kids. So when you apply for this postdoc funding, you have to simply tick off a box. So it's very transparent. Yeah, I think transparency also go inwards. So we have spent so many hours discussing career paths, uh, paths and alternative scenarios and what would work for Meta and what would work for me. And just um, having these conversations on a regular basis as a couple is super important. I think in addition, and, and in thinking about this in, in hindsight, just the fact that we had kind of gotten over the, um, the first couple of years as a parent and our son were three when we really started to travel that helped quite a lot yeah Lars, could you expand a bit about about that transition to not just being a couple in academia but a couple in academia where where travel is a, a big part of the relationship there are quite good funding opportunities in denmark to to support such transitions and we were lucky to get a research fellowship both of us which supported not only the expenses associated with moving to a new lab in a foreign country, but also to maintain family life and maintain the benefits associated with being a family in Denmark as well. So that helped a lot and it made it a lot easier to do that transition. Meta, can you explain what that that the setup of yeah, maintaining a family life looks like in this context? I mean, because we didn't have that family support uh, where we could drop him off once in a while with grandparents, we, 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 we were quite dependent on just the two of us. And that meant that we had to work quite a bit in the evening. I guess that's pretty common for many people in academia. Now, I understand that it's not just been about traveling together, but also about traveling separately. Can you explain how you've navigated this as a family? So we were based in Boulder, Colorado, where I worked at University of Colorado. But last was affiliated first with Arizona State and since then Berkeley. And it meant that he had to travel quite a bit. So specifically, he was traveling roughly once a month uh, to, to Arizona State and stayed there for a week's time or so. And and during that those period, I was single mom. But it only meant that in in the days before and in, in the weeks after when Lars was home, he 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 took a, a bigger part in in in, in the childcare uh, work around there. So again, balancing it out. So in that case, I think it was I actually treasure those moments where it was just my son and I, and we've both had that both for con when one of us is away for conferences or field work or meetings. Uh, the other one, of course, is in charge. I think it was working out quite well. So first of all, I had a lot of support, not only from Meta, but also from the professor I was working with. And that that was, I think, uh, essential for this to work. He supported a remote setup, which I mean, at that point in time, it wasn't that common. But I also think that that, um, a big plus were simply that we articulated this when we applied for our fellowship. Yeah, I, I, I think it was it turned into a quite positive experience because the funding agency, they, they checked in on us. They knew, like the secretaries there, they knew that we were the couple living in two different states. So I think we've, being, that, being outspoken and, and, and open about it has, has really been an advantage to us. 
I have to say you've both been, yeah, very, very positive about the experience. Are there any things that um, matter you, you would like to change or some at the time found frustrating or anything like that? One of the main things is that it's challenging to see how different the overall conditions for parent parents in academia are globally. So we've experienced a lot of support. It's generally very common to have kids during your PhD. And then you have uh, a situation in the US where you barely have maternity leave, for example, right? So I think that that our situation and the way that we have made this work doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. We might come up this blue-eyed story that you should just apply for big fellowship and argue with the foundation that you will do it so and so given your family situation. But I also know that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So I'm still thinking about how my advice are, I mean, useful for, for, for other academic couples. Well, speaking of advice, it's been noted often that for mixed gender couples dealing with this two body problems, women often draw the shorter straw. Um, is this something you kind of actively thought about in your approach? Um, and yeah, if so, how? Yeah, I, w I would say yes. And I think in our case, there hasn't been any point in time where we have only considered, we've always been thinking about whether or not a given place would be a good fit for both of us. And Lars, have there been times when one of you has, for example, seen a job and thought, oh, that would be great, but oh no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense because it would only be great if I was doing this on my own. Yes, for sure. And we have had job offers on the table, which didn't work out because we knew that would place the other person in a situation where there were, would not be a um, contract to enter or there would be a gap in, um, let's say, the, the funding opportunities. Yeah, I, I guess the approach we took was if I saw an interesting position at, I don't know, the Boston, I would I would say to Lars that, hey, look at this, would try and see if the biology department there would be a good fit for you. Could we see ourselves there as academics, but could we also see ourselves there as a family? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. That was Meta Bendixson and before her, Lars Iverson. Meta and Lars were keen to emphasize that what worked for them with their nationality, their careers and their relationship is a long way from a one size fits all. Different relationships find completely different solutions to the two body problem or struggle to resolve it at all. Andrea Stathopoulos is based in Greater Cleveland, where she works as a science analyst at Verge Scientific Communications. She has a PhD in neuroscience, and actually it was during, or rather just before, graduate school at Florida State University that she met her partner. We actually met 
during interview weekend for graduate school, of course, you know, lots of people were there. At first, I was like, ooh, this guy's competition. Luckily, luckily, I got in and, you know, things, we, we hit it off. And so we sort of on accident, you know, started the program together. And I think a lot of people then assumed we had known each other from previously and like made plans to go off to graduate school together. But that that wasn't the case. We had only met a few months prior interviewing. But that sort of set us off on like, okay, we're like stuck with each other all through graduate school and who knows what will happen after that. We, you know, knew that from day one. Andrea and her partner have tried various approaches as their relationship and careers developed in parallel and in often unpredictable ways, something Andrea has something Andrea has written about before. We started out by talking about how their relationship evolved while they were still in the same institution, that is. It was maybe halfway through graduate school when we moved in together. I think that was a, a big step and recognizing that, okay, if we're very serious about our relationship, at what point do we talk about marriage? At what point do we talk about graduation timelines and, and careers after that? Because we anticipated that we might not finish at the same time, even though we had started at the same time. And there was no guarantee that we'd find two positions for two neuroscientists in the same location. You know, fresh out of graduate school, you don't have like a lot of career leverage. So I think we were just on the lookout for, you know, if we can find two things that are kind of nearby, we'll make that work for a little bit if we have to. What did happen next after graduation then? So I graduated first, but I wasn't really set on staying in academia research-wise. He had a postdoc lined up. And I figured, okay, well, that's in New York City. If I'm going to find, you know, an outside academia job, I'll be able to find one there. So I, I sort of figured at that point, like, I would be the trailing spouse. I'm a little bit more flexible. I don't need to find the perfect postdoc PI. That's not what I was looking for. <laughs> Strangely, though, um, I did keep my eye on other positions. So when my husband graduated, we moved apart. Actually, I did not follow him to his postdoc. I had gotten a visiting faculty position at a small liberal arts college. And I thought this, this will be really great. And if I could hold on at this institution long enough, maybe they'll turn it into a tenure track job. So we sort of moved apart at that point. Well, this is interesting because um, in this article you've written, you talk a lot about sticking to a timeline and all this kind of planning. But I I guess for the two-body problem, there needs to be some level of flexibility and spontaneity as well. Oh, the plan is always changing. (laughs) The plan never lasts more than six months in my experience. Um, And in this article, you talk about kind of the the two main options you've you've already hinted at them from your experience but what are the two main options as you see it for approaching the two body problem i i think the first option is you know you read about it a lot in other articles being that trailing spouse and i sort of hate that title because it makes it seem as if you're the tag along sort of least less important career partner but I, I viewed being the trailing spouse as being the one who was more flexible. I was willing multiple times in my career to just eh, follow wherever my husband ended up since he was pursuing an academic path at the time. What ended up happening, even though I was willing to be the one following and just, you know, finding whatever employment I could, 
on those occasions, I ended up finding my own employment somewhere else, which forced us into option number two, which was to split temporarily. So I think at this point, I've, I've been with my partner for like 12 years, and I think we've moved in together at least four or five different times. <laughs> so it's it's been sort of a mix of, well, I'll move to you or you'll move to me, but then we split back up again. <laughs> I think a lot of people assumed, oh, well, gosh, you'll have to break up now since you won't be living together. Or, well, how are you going to get married and not live with your spouse? That's really strange. So I think prioritizing the investment in your personal life the same way we prioritize investment in our professional careers is very important. Sort of reevaluating as things change helps you readjust that timeline and gives you, you know, personal goals to work towards. Now, a common concern about the two-body problem is that, at least for heterosexual relationships, it's often women who end up uh, sacrificing some element of their career to make the relationship work. Is that something that you were quite conscious of in, in your approach with your partner? You know, in our relationship, I wasn't interested in staying in academia. I was willing to consider alternative career paths, and my partner really wanted to stay the research route. So I, I sort of recognized, oh, that I'm fitting that stereotypical role of like, the woman will follow the man wherever the job is. Twice, I had planned to follow my husband to where his position was. And twice, I didn't. Because <laughs> I found something else that I deemed was was a better fit for me at the time. And in fact, twice, he has given up his position that fairly wasn't the right fit for him. So even though I had been prepared to be that trailing spouse, almost ironically, it was my husband who ended up being the person who switched jobs to move closer to me. So given all the moves, all the career changes, has there been, in some sense, a solution to your two-body problem? Our solution to the two-body problem essentially was both of us leaving academia. Most people find employment outside the university system. That's just the fact of the matter. Andrea Stathopoulos there. Of course, being in a relationship isn't the only factor that can complicate the question of moving labs. One challenge facing many scientists is navigating not only a new lab, but a new country. For academics that move abroad to continue their careers, there can be heaps of hurdles, but also huge benefits to the transition. And in the next episode, we're going to be reflecting on how changing country can change a researcher's life in many different ways. Until then, this has been Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Levy. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.